You know, we don't have the ability to change anyone's life. God has to do the work. You know, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither is he that waters, but it's God that gives the increase. And there's not anything that shows your dependence upon God more than your prayer life. If you're a prayerless person, you are not depending on God. And so <clears throat> prayer is so important because we have to depend on God. We don't have the ability to do what God wants done without our dependence on him. And that shows our faith. You know, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please him. <clears throat> you cannot please God unless you really trust him. Now, <clears throat> one of the great privileges in life is prayer. You know, <clears throat> I am... I have a big, thick book of all the countries of the world. I pray for one country each day. <clears throat> I don't know what all's going on in that country, but I know that God will do things in that country if I will pray that he will not do if I don't pray. And so it's one of the greatest privileges you'll ever have in life just to think, that the amazing God of all the universe will allow you to influence what he does. Now, we can't change everything. There's some things that God has set that our prayers are not going to change, like when Jesus comes and things like that. God set that time. Somebody asked Jesus, Jesus said, I don't even know where that's going to be. So, there are certain things that it will not affect, but many, many things we can have an effect if we will pray. You know, this building is a good example. When it came time that every penny would have to be raised for this building for it to be built. And some of you have heard the story about <clears throat> I was asked with Kirk Humphreys to kind of head the fundraising to let's try to raise this money. And they first said it'd take $5.7 million to build it. It took about another million to do everything. So one day, uh, Kirk and I, we were praying about who to go see. So we prayed about going to see this man that we knew had some money. So we were sitting out in the car and I said, Kirk, what do you think we ought to ask him for? He said, let's ask him for a million dollars. I said, okay. And so we prayed and went in and said, sir, this would be a great opportunity for students. Would you consider contributing a million dollars? And Kirk said, you can do it over a five-year period. That'd be 200000 a year. So we asked him and he said, well, he wasn't upset or anything. He said, I'll get back. Let me pray about it, and I'll get back to you in a few weeks. About three weeks later, I got an email from Anthony Jordan, who was executive secretary, and he said, all the money is in for the building. 
I, I couldn't believe it. I happened to be in Israel at the time. And this man that we had asked for a million dollars called a Baptist building and said, how much money do you still need? Well, we need $4.2 million. He said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. He did that. He said, it's all available immediately. If that hadn't been given immediately before the COVID thing hit, this building would not have been built. You know, Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so sometimes God will do things far more than we ask. The retreat center. <clears throat> you know, years ago, I was in a, um, in a doctor's office and I said, I don't understand why Baptists don't have a retreat center or something like that where people can go. So he, he said that to the next lady and she said, well, I'd sure give some land for a deal like that. Well, she gave us 12 and a half acres and we had two houses there and it wasn't enough to contain everybody that wanted to come at times. So uh, I asked Bill Yon, who was working out there, I said, Bill, what do we need at the retreat center? He said, we need about a 20 bedroom lodge. Well, I had read when I was in college, and by the way, I hope while you're in college, you read some things that you don't have to read. You know, I read The Life of George Mueller, tremendous man of faith, and was a real challenge to me. So one time I was on a trip to Romania, and we had a day or so layover in London. So my buddy said, why don't we go to Bristol, England, and see those orphan's homes that George Mueller started. Now, they're no longer orphan's home, but those massive buildings that he built by faith are still there. And so we went, and when we got there, there's a chain-link fence around it, and it said, no admittance. So uh, we, my buddy and I talked, and we said, we didn't come all this way to be turned by, by a sign, did we? And we determined we hadn't, and the gate wasn't locked, so we went in. We go in the first building, go up the stairs, and we said to this lady, I know we're not supposed to be here. We can read. But we're from America, and we've read of George Mueller. Is there any possibility we could see the room where he lived? And she said, you're standing in it. She was very nice. We had a great time. I found an old autobiography of George Mueller, so that summer I I was up in a cabin in Colorado for vacation, and I began to pray every day, God, provide the money for a 20-bedroom lodge, and I'm going to continue to pray to you to either you tell me no or you provide. So I did that day after day after day. One day a man called, and he said, uh, what do you need to retreat center? I said, we need a 20-bedroom lodge. He said, well, put out a brochure and see if you can raise some money. He said, I got the money for the brochure. So we sent it out to the alum. We got in about $8,000, which didn't surprise me because a lot of you, and I hope when you get out, you'll give to your church and give to other ministries you're interested in. One day he called me, and he said, come up here. I want to talk to you. 
And there's a man there, and he was a builder, and he said, have you ordered the furniture for that building yet? I said, Gene, we're not going to borrow money. He said, well, we won't borrow money. We'll just start, and uh, we run out of money, we'll quit. Well, if he didn't give the money, I don't know who did, but we have a 20-bedroom lodge. Folks, I have long lived long enough to see God do some amazing things in prayer. And God will do it for you if you will pray. Now, let me suggest this to you, because prayer is not just something off here by itself. That's why I start every month with John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will, and it'll be done for you. And so the thing I would say to you is you're encouraged to read your Bible. Every day, read your Bible. But what you want to do when you read it <clears throat> is this is God's word to you, so you meditate on it. You think about it. Well, God, you said this. Now, what do you want me to do about it? And then you try to be obedient to it. So you're getting into the word of God. And a lot of my prayer is done over the scriptures. I have a plan where I read through the Bible each year. And each morning as I have that quiet time, I'm reading these verses. Sometime this verse, I'll stop and I'll see that. And I say, God, I see here what you did because this man believed you. Now, God, that's what I want to do. And so the Bible begins to come alive to you, and the, the Word is going to help you in your prayer life. Now, let me just quickly give you some, some things about prayer. One of the biggest hindrances to prayer is sin in our life. Isaiah uh, 59 one and two, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your sins have separated between you and your God, so he will not hear. And I, in Proverbs 28, 13, if you conceal your sin, God will not hear. So if you try to hide your sin, then the Lord's, not going to hear. He who hides his sin, God's not going to hear. Don't try to hide from God. You can't do it. Confess your sin to God. See, the great thing, if you become a Christian, you will never lose your salvation. But the fellowship is broken when there's sin in your life that you will not confess. And so confess means to agree with God. So you tell God what you did. He promised to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So <clears throat> watch out for sin in your life. You have a bad thought, confess it. Something happens, you did something wrong, tell God. God will forgive you. He promised he would if you'll just tell him what you did and agree with him what you did was wrong. Now, the other thing you see so much in the scriptures is you ask in faith. Okay, I, I come to the Lord, and I want to ask in faith. Now, in Matthew 17, 20, <clears throat> before this, 
Jesus was hungry one day, and he saw this fig bush. He went over the fig bush to get something to eat. There was no figs on it. Now, Jesus could have said, figs appear and could have had breakfast, but he didn't do that. He wanted to teach the disciples a lesson, and he went away hungry in order to do that. So he cursed the fig tree. Well, the next morning, they're walking along, and Peter looks at it, and it's withered. He said, look, Lord, it's withered from the root. And uh, so, and Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say unto you, if you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. And so again and again, one time Jesus comes down off the hill, and here's a man with a demon-possessed son. Jesus has been up on the mountain. His disciples can't cast it out. And in Matthew 17, 20, he says, they came to him and said, Lord, why couldn't we do it? And he said, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will be done. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask or pray and believe, it will be done for you. So it's a matter of praying and asking. Ask in faith. And, and God made all these wonderful promises that we can come to him and pray. And there's so many verses about asking God, asking God, praying, whatever you want to see God do, pray about it. Pray for people. You know, sometime I'm driving, I stop at a red light. I can pray for the person in the car next to me. You say, well, do you know if it does any good or not? Well, let me tell you a story. When I was in college at Texas A&M, big amphitheater, all-men's school at the time, and one day they had a guest speaker, and he got up and started telling one dirty joke after the other. And I mean, the Aggies were just rolling, you know, and he just kept telling dirty jokes. I'm sitting up the top, and I thought, God, that man needs Jesus. And I don't know if I'd have the courage or not, but I've got the courage to put one foot in front of the other, and I'm going to go get in his presence when the class is over. So I walked down there. There were several guys standing around, and I looked at my watch, and I had a class some distance away, and I was going to be late if I didn't leave. So when I walked out, I prayed, God, it's obvious this man needs you. So I pray you'll send someone to tell him about Jesus. Well, about two or three years later, I'm standing in the airport in Dallas, Fort Worth, and immediately in front of me, as we're about to board a plane, is this man. And I recognized him. I said, sir, you come to Texas A&M one day and speak in a class? Yeah, do you still have your feedlot? Yeah, we began to talk. I said, uh, he said, well, what are you doing? I said, sir, when I was in college, God changed my life. And I began to talk with him. And I, then they called for us to get aboard, and I hoping I could sit by him, but he had that first-class ticket, and I had that other kind, and I didn't get to. But you know why I think God let that happen? Max, you prayed I'd send somebody 
to talk to him, and you would never have known if I did that or not. So I'm going to just let you see that when you ask me to do something, I can do that. So now I have a chance to witness to a person, pray for him, stop at a red light, pray for that person. You ought to pray. You know, the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean every second. For example, you got an exam. You pray, God help me on the exam, but then you better concentrate on that exam. The word without ceasing is the same word that was used, and they found it on an old piece of papyrus in Egypt, and it's the same word a doctor uses when he's talking about a person with a cough. You've seen somebody that has a hacking cough, and they just, <laughs> you know, they kind of bark like a seal. That's the idea. You know, when your mind's free, it, your mind ought to be like a compass. You're walking across the campus. Your mind's free. It ought to be like a compass and, and turn to the Lord. And so pray without ceasing all through the day. Something will come to your mind. You see one of your friends. Pray, 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 pray. And Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer. So you want to you pray. And it's amazing what God will do in answers to prayer. <clears throat> there was a centurion that went one time. He sent word, uh, I have a, a servant that's paralyzed. Will you come heal him? Jesus started on his way. The man sent word to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. You just say the word, and my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority. He knew Jesus was under the authority of his father. He said, you just say the word, and he'll be healed. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, you know, I've not found this kind of faith in all Israel. And so he didn't even go to the man's house. And so the servant went back, and Jesus said, it'll be done to you according to your faith. And that servant was healed. And so we pray in faith. Now, sometimes, too, what do you do when you don't know if something? And another thing is you pray in the will of God. The Bible has quite a bit to say about praying in God's will. 1 John 5, 14. 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we desire of him. So we ask according to his will. But sometimes you may not know if something is will. When I met Sandra, who's now my wife, I didn't know if she's the one I should marry or not. So I began to pray. I didn't know if it was God's will, but I knew I thought she was one cutie. And so I began to pray. And uh, when I met her, I wanted to find out if she had a real heart to walk with the Lord because if she didn't, I didn't want to get involved. And so over a period of time, God, it made very, very clear, even to the point where I knew, we knew that if we did not get married, we'd be disobedience to God. We wanted to get married, but we knew that. You can know the will of God. And when Jesus said, if you'll pray, if you'll trust me, he said, it's just like you can say to that mountain, 
be cast into the sea. Now, Jesus is not interested in rearranging the geography. I don't think he's interested in throwing mountains into the sea. That's not the point. But that's a big thing. A mountain's a big thing. You can pray about big things, okay? And you can pray about little things. So we're going to try to pray. We're going to confess our sins. And we're going to try to pray in faith. We're going to try to pray in the will of God. Okay? And we're going to ask in Jesus' name. What does that mean? You know, if somebody prays, anytime they pray, they usually say, in Jesus' name. What does that mean? Well, the only reason you can come to the Father is because of Jesus. We don't have any right in and of our own selves to come. We come because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Remember when he died on the cross, the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom, signifying you could go right into the presence of God. We can go into the presence of God because of Jesus Christ. And so I come, I say, Father, and we pray and we say, in Jesus' name. That's why we're here. And not only that, but I think it's also, is this something Jesus would endorse? Am I asking something I think Jesus would want to happen? And so we ask in Jesus' name. Another thing is so important prayer, abiding in Christ, that we try to live in him, John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you. Okay? And he says in verse 7 then, and in my word abide in you and you ask what you will. So try to abide, that is, trusting living in Jesus Christ. We're going to ask with thanksgiving. You know, you see this again and again. We ask and we thank God for the things that he's done. Now, those are just some things. You don't have to remember everything every time you pray, but those are some of the things that you want to have in mind. Lord, I, day after day, am going to come to you. I'm going to ask you. Now, most of you here are single. Most of you hope someday to be married. You ought to be praying every day for that person. That person you're going to marry is alive somewhere tonight. I hope. I mean, I hope they've already been born. Okay? <laughs> you ought to be praying for that person. Pray God will be working in their life, be doing what he wants to. You can pray, and God will answer. Do you think God's interested in who you marry? Absolutely. You know, if I say, do you think God's interested in your leading someone to Christ? Well, certainly. But if you marry the right person, probably a lot of people are going to come to know Christ as a result of your lives together. So pray. Pray for what you want to see God do. And you know, you have some tremendous opportunities here. And I know in talking to Shane, one thing he's wanting us to really do is pray during the month of March. Let's pray to see God do great things. And God will if we will pray. Now, what if God said, when does God say no? You know, when Jesus prayed, he was facing the cross in Mark 14, 36. He said, Lord, all things are possible with you. 
remove this cup from me. In other words, Lord, you can do anything. Every, nothing's impossible to you. So if I don't have to go to the cross, I'd like that. Nevertheless, not my will, but what your will be done. You know, I am grateful God didn't answer Jesus' prayer with an affirmative when he first prayed because if he did, all of us would be on our way to hell. And he said no to his son Jesus. Why? Because he had a better plan. And what was Jesus' attitude towards that? He later, later said, for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Because he knew someday we'd be sitting here as believers in Jesus Christ. And so he, now, one time Paul prayed three times for a thorn to be removed, and God didn't do it. Why? He had a better plan. And you see that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Now, why did he not do it? He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then what Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my weaknesses. And so God had a better plan because now you can read and know that God's grace will always be sufficient. And if he had answered Paul's, Paul's prayer request at that time, we wouldn't know that. But now we do. And that's why he's in, said in verse 10, I can always, I can, I can rejoice in weakness. So sometimes God will say no. You know why? You can always be grateful. He's got a better plan. Sometimes he'll say wait. We don't know why, but sometimes you'll pray for something. That's another big thing in the scriptures. You see it in Luke 11, Luke 18. Lengthy passages about persistence. Keep on praying. Pray and pray and pray day after day. There's some things I pray for every day. I've been praying for it for years, and I don't intend to quit. So you pray persistently, and the Bible is very clear about that. You know, when Jesus was facing the cross in Matthew 26, 44, said he went aside, prayed the third time, saying the same words. He prayed, he was burdened, he prayed again and again and again. So these are things that I hope will help you in prayer. Let me suggest this to you. Make time for prayer. Don't be too busy to pray. And learn to pray as you're walking. Learn you're walking to class, pray wherever you're going, whatever you're doing. And it'd be great if some of you get a prayer partner and pray. I have a prayer partner. We started March the 20th. Uh, we were kind of separated, John Hill and I. So we have prayed every single day since last March the 20th, one hour a day, every day on our phone. Sometimes that's not very convenient. Okay, but we've done it every day. I believe we have offered before God thousands of prayers. And I know God's going to do things, some of those things, it's going to be amazing. And so, you know, you've got that little prayer room down there. I think it'd be great if you 
had a sheet out there where you could sign up. You know, you and Susie meet together for 30 minutes and we'll pray. Pray with people. Pray by yourself. Pray walking. Pray all the time. Pray driving. A lot of times when Sandra and I will go someplace and we'll drive. I think Matt, I invited him to go with me one time. He reminded me of this. I'm going to speak up at Edmond. We get in the car. We start praying. We don't talk. We pray it all the way till we got to Edmond, right? I often do that. And Sandra and I are driving. We pray. You can't pray too much. If you'll pray, you're going to see God do amazing things with your life, okay? All right, let's stop. Any questions or anything? <clears throat> yes? When you, when you get started in prayer, how do you balance the, what part of it is discipline and, and persistent? Oh. When you're starting in prayer, uh, what part of it is like discipline and diligence and what part of it is like um, desire, you know, like a desire and like an, maybe even like an emotional or, you know, what if you don't feel like praying? Pray anyway. Billy Graham said, when it's hardest to pray, pray hardest. You know, in the morning, I'm not by nature a morning person. You know, I know some people jump up in the morning and they're wide awake. I mean, it takes me a while to find the doorknob. When I got up this morning, <clears throat> about 5.45, because I knew that at 8 o'clock I'm going to listen to Charles Stanley twice, and then I'm going to listen to Robert Jeffrey, and then I'm going to listen to my pastor, because right now I'm not going to church due to this COVID thing. So, and so I hear four sermons every day, and I knew if I don't really get my quiet time in before that, I really won't have a good quiet time. Did I want to get up this morning? Absolutely not. First, let me give you a verse. First Timothy 4, 7. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Do you know nothing comes easy that's worthwhile necessarily? See, you're paying the price to go to college. It's costing you money, it's costing you time, cost you four years of your life. Some of your buddies got out of high school and they didn't want to pay the price. But they'll probably suffer for it and you'll have greater opportunities as a result of it. Sometimes you'll have a great desire to do. But it's kind of like in marriage. Sometimes you just love your wife and sometimes you wonder, where did you come from? That's where commitment comes from. Is everything going to go smooth all the time? Absolutely not. That's why there's so much divorce. There's commitment to it. So I am going to do that. Like my verses. Now, I try to go through all my verses every month. And lots, some of them as my age, are, they're beginning to slip. But there are only 28 days this month. And so last night, because I didn't want to miss going through all of them at least once a month. I did, and I was one day behind, so I did day 27, 28, 29, and 30. And it took an hour and a half or so, and I didn't go to bed till nearly midnight. Gang, I'm just saying, 
You got to get after it. Whatever you want to do, you better get after it. And it's going to cost you some. So I would say, begin to discipline yourself. Right now, while you're in college, is the greatest time in the world to discipline yourself in your quiet time, your scripture memory, prayer. Build these things in. Have you ever noticed that a lot of times churches have, uh, for older people, they'll gather to church to play dominoes, or they'll do. Have you ever heard of an older group of people getting together to pray? I was talking to a man in this town a few years ago. He said, "We're all retired. One of them had been had been Sunday school superintendents, deacons, and Sunday school teachers." And he said, "We play golf several days a week." We're retired. We play golf. If it's raining in Norman, we'll call Ardmore. If it's raining in Ardmore, we'll drive to Tulsa. And I thought to myself, I wonder if the thoughts ever even entered your mind. Why don't one afternoon we just pray? Pray for our missionaries. Pray for people. Never entered their mind. If you don't fight to pray now, while you're busy and taking all these hours and all this stuff, the day comes when you got time to pray and you won't pray because you don't have any desire to. So gang, you're in a battle. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Okay? So there's sometimes desire, but you do it where you have a desire for it or not. Okay? How, um, what are some habits that you can start to do to really lock these disciplines uh, into your life? What are some of the things you do to lock these disciplines in your life? Well, I'm, <clears throat> accountability helps. You know, I found that if, if we had the staff memorizing and I said to him, do you want to memorize verses? And they all said, yeah, okay, you can decide how many you memorize. But when you come to staff meeting, you need to have your verse. Well, you know what? I'd get my verse. So sometimes accountability helps. I'm kind of a lone ranger. I, I can do it. I don't have to have anybody check me on my verses. I just do it. But you have to maybe to get started, have somebody to help you. So whatever it takes for you to do it. You might say, well, that's not very spiritual just doing it because you have to have it, but the staff meeting, well, it's not, but that's okay. I still got my verse, and God still uses them, okay? So don't be so super spiritual in all your thinking that you're not hard-nosed on yourself. Billy Graham said we ought to be disciplined to the point we're almost cruel to ourselves. You know, when you look at the university, you know where you see discipline. Where do you see it in university students? Athletes. You don't see it with the average person. And what are they going to do? Let me ask you this. Who won the Big 12 seven years ago in baseball? Well, who cares? But they will go all out to win a trophy. And that's fine. 
And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, so run that you may obtain. In other words, every person runs in the race, but only one's going to win. So run to win. But why don't we do that in a Christian life when we're going for something that's for all eternity? Okay, any other question? Now, I don't hear too well because uh, <clears throat> been too much loud music at BSU meetings or something. Do um, you have a way that you like keep track of um, the things that you're praying for and like how God answers those prayers? Repeat that for me better. I have a I have a list that I do pray for, and sometimes that changes. But I've not kept one where it says, "Okay, I asked this and answered this." Sometimes it's obvious this is answered, and I mark it off. I let God keep the records more. I want some records just to encourage people to pray, and it encourages me to pray when I see God answer. But yeah, I pray from a list. But so much of my praying is done over the scriptures. I'll come here and it said. Saul did this, and I think, God, that's not good. I don't want to be that way. I don't want my buddies to be that way. I want to pray for the BSU staff and for the leadership. God, help us not to be this way or something. So you pray over the birth. This is God's word. Now, let me tell you, this was written many, many thousands of years ago. But you know what? God preserved it because he knew you were going to be here today. And it's as much as God's word to you as it was to the people in Corinth or whoever, see. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures inspired by God, and it's literally the word God breathed. God spoke this. Okay? And God will give you promises sometimes. Man, you're reading along, and God, you just know that is for me. Okay? Another question or two? I don't want to take too much of your time. Yes? So for for people that are like maybe too hard at themselves at times, how should we properly distinguish between taking on suffer for suffering for the sake of suffering and suffering for Jesus in a righteous way, not to become so nihilistic? Okay, a little better interpreter. My interpreter here. <laughs> how do you uh, how do you know the difference between suffering and just being cruel to yourself, like just suffering just to suffer? Yeah. How do you know the difference between suffering for Jesus? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not hard enough on me to, to be too hard. I mean, I'm just not, you know. And so you're not trying to be a martyr, and and uh, but you are trying to. It's important. I want to reach certain goals, and I know in order to do that, I have to discipline myself. But I'm not a flagellant you know, where I beat myself or anything like that. It's just I try. And by nature, I'm not. You know, some people are choleric in nature. They're very, very uh, organized. I'm not. I'm pretty laid back. But I do try to make the main things the main things. And that's why I try to start with my quiet time because that's most important. I try to pray. That's important. I still have a lot of fun in life. I don't want to leave the impression that you don't get to go to a ball game. You don't get to. I enjoy life. I have a lot of fun. But I try to make the main things the main things. 
Okay. Okay. How do you guard yourself from distractions? I don't. <laughs> Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes I'm reading along. I mean, the last time I remember this happening was this morning. I'm reading along in, in this verse. Boy, I'm really engaged here. And then get down here and I think over here and I think, what was that all about? And my mind is somewhere else. I used to hate myself for doing that. And then I finally decided, I don't hate myself. I think, okay, Lord, let me go back up here and start over. And I just go back again. And so there are distractions. That's why, you know, Matthew 6, 6, enter into your closet and shut the door. You know, sometimes you get away from distractions. But you're, you're going to experience it. Let me tell you, nothing's perfect. When I was in college, I measured cotton acres for the government and I'd have to walk a half mile down here pushing this little wheel and I'd get out of my car and I'd say, Lord, I'm going to pray all the way to end this road. And I wouldn't be 10 yards till I was dreaming of catching the football in the football game. <laughs> and, you know, then I'd just have to come back and say, Lord, <clears throat> forgive me and start over. You know, that's life. Nothing is perfect ever since the fall. And so don't get discouraged. You'll get distracted, and sometimes you think, okay, Lord. But the very fact that you're reminded that you're distracting is a call to get back to what you're doing. Okay, I don't want to take more time. There's a question. Is this on? Okay, there we go. When you're dealing with situations of intense suffering or loss or apparent silence from God, how do you allow prayer to sustain you in that time? Okay, when sometimes there's suffering or silence, it seems like God is silent. God cares. You may feel like he doesn't, but he does. So I think during those times, and there's an example in Daniel 10, 12, I believe it is, that Daniel started praying for something. And if, <clears throat> I've forgotten the exact amount of time, but a few weeks later, the answer came. And the angel said, from the very moment you began to pray, I was on my way, but I was resisted. And you know, Ephesians 6, 12 talks about... Uh, the, the world system and the, and the heavenlies and all that, there are things going on here sometimes we don't understand. And so sometimes you pray and it seems like God must be in heaven. He sure knows we're around here because it seems like he's not here. So it's easy. See, I think that's one of the great things Satan will do to get you to quit. So you continue to pray. You may not be hearing from God, but God is hearing you. And in due time, I think God will answer. And I think especially sometime when there's suffering or death or something like this. And, and you know, I think it's Psalm 7710 talks about because of my pain, 
the Lord is silent. It's the idea, it wasn't that, that God had changed, but his feeling had changed. And it feels like God is nowhere around. So there'll be times like that when God doesn't answer. But keep praying because God is hearing. And he said, be persistent. He tells the story of the judge. The lady comes into court. And the guy said, I don't respect man. I don't respect God or man. But because this little widow comes, she's wearing me out. I'm going to give her what she wants. Now, remember, a parable has one point. The point is persistence. And look at, jot down Luke 11 and Luke 18, beginning with verse 1 in both those chapters. Before you go to bed tonight, look at those. You'll see good examples of persistence. Just keep, that's Luke 11 and Luke 18. Okay? Y'all have other things to do. Okay? Hello, hello. There we go. Um, thank you so much, Max, for that. Before you go, we have one more quick question for you. Um, walking with God in, in the semester, you have the schedule to help you, but summer is kind of tricky. We have a summer project coming up. We haven't done one for a little while because of COVID, but would you tell us why we should invest our summer in summer training program? I'd be glad to. And I want, let me just start out with a story. My buddy... Chuck Madden told me this story. Two guys in the same ministry, about the same level spiritually, they offered a some summer training program. One guy went, the other guy didn't. When they got back to school the next year with what God was doing in their life, the guy that, that did not go, he said, you know, I really missed out. You're so much further ahead of me, I don't know if I'll ever catch up. When you have opportunities, because let me tell you, when you get out, go to work, you don't get three months off in the summer. You don't get a month off for Christmas, okay? So when things like that are offered for you, take advantage of them. It may really cost you, but if at all possible, get in. If you're having a summer training program, get in that and learn all you can, anytime. When there are conferences, things that you can go to, those just speed up your growth. And so I really would highly encourage you to do that. Well, thank you, Max. Yeah. Thank you very much. Let's uh, give him a round of applause.